we felt it was a, a profound unfairness that they wouldn't let us access to this courtyard. I mean, it was just going unused and there were children who wanted to use it. And so we'd go to my mom and, you know, oh, so unfair. And she would always say, look, girls, life is unfair. Get up and go do something about it. <laughs> go, go make a change. And so we got up and did something about it. And I think we've taken that advice to heart our whole lives. Just so I'm clear. You have been trying to affect change through policy since you were eight years old. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> Maya Harris, welcome to the podcast. It is great to be here. Welcome back to With Her, Hillary Clinton's official campaign podcast. I'm Max Linsky. My guest today is Maya Harris. She's a senior policy advisor on the Clinton campaign. And a quick side note, the sister she's talking about in that story is Kamala Harris, currently the attorney general for the state of California and candidate for U.S. Senate. So I think uh, you can safely say their mom did a pretty good job. Maya's got a really interesting job. She works on policy with Hillary, both for the campaign and for what she will do as president. We caught up at the end of a long day at campaign headquarters in downtown Brooklyn. I really want to talk to you about what it is like to work on policy with Hillary. Uh, but before we do that, I want to just understand uh, you a little bit better. All right, I'm just going to basically read your Wikipedia entry back to you, which I know is an exciting experience. <laughs> All right, you ready? Oh, God. You have been a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress. You were the vice president for democracy, rights, and justice at the Ford Foundation. You were the executive director of the Northern California ACLU. At one point, you were the youngest law school dean in America. Right? <laughs> yes. That all checks out? That is all accurate. You have no fact checks for me? <laughs> I don't have any fact checks for you. Okay, well, the first thing is, like, that is an insane resume. And the second thing was, as I was reading over your bio, I wondered, like, where did it start? Was there something in your life that led you to doing this kind of policy work? I, I, I'm, I'm interested in how you got here. Let's see. Let's go back to the beginning. We grew up in a family where my parents met um, actually during the height of the civil rights movement and on the UC Berkeley campus. And... Uh, were involved in the civil rights movement and activism. And so I grew up in a family, in a household where there was a lot of talk about justice and equality and fairness and opportunity around the dinner table. Were you like going to protests as a kid? I don't remember going to some of the early protests that my parents participated in. Um, I've heard stories about that from my mom, and in particular, when my sister was a baby, and my mom pushing her in the stroller for civil rights protests, and that one of them, like, she fell out of the stroller or something, and my mom just kept marching. <laughs> and it's almost like the baby. <laughs> so we did grow up in a family with um, those values and this idea that there was the need for a movement. Um, one of the things that my mom often said to us was that to whom much is given, much is expected. So the idea that if you benefit from opportunity and if you have success in life, that your life should be about more than you. And my mom actually her profession was, uh, she was a scientist and she did breast cancer research. But even as she, 
you know, pursued her profession in terms of, you know, importantly trying to figure out how we were going to address breast cancer. In her time away from the lab, she was actually um, working on raising awareness around how women of color, but in particular African-American women, were disproportionately affected by breast cancer and trying to address, you know, issues around awareness and access to treatment and, you know, watching my mother, it was, you know, more than just talk about those, you know, values. It was action mm-hmm. and finding a way within whatever it was that you were doing to figure out how to make a difference for people who were less fortunate, who were struggling. As a young person, how did you find your own path within that? Because sometimes when your parents have been doing work for a long time, it's kind of hard to like strike out on your own and do your own thing. So how, how did you figure out what, what, what your path was going to be? When I was younger, I thought that I wanted to be a doctor, specifically a pediatrician, because I want, I thought, oh, well, that would be a way to help children. And, and then I took OCHEM and thought, you know, <laughs> I'm not really sure this whole doctor thing going to medical school is for me. Um, and at the same time, my sister was in law school uh, while I was in college. And, you know, I really did have an appreciation for how, you know, looking at the civil rights movement, lawyers and law and litigation was a real vehicle for social change. And and so I decided to go to law school. And I wanted to, actually, when I graduated from law school, to go to an, a civil rights organization, an advocacy organization. But I was also um, a single mom and coming out of law school with a lot of student debt. <laughs> and so the whole idea of, you know, going to a nonprofit organization wasn't quite yeah, yeah. within my reach. And so it wasn't until, you know, a few years out of law school that I was able to sort of find my path onto actually a, a you know, social justice advocacy organization. But even while I was um, doing other things. I was teaching law school and mm-hmm. teaching a gender discrimination class. So I sort of felt like I still had my hands a little bit uh, on the pulse of of some of the issues that I cared most about. Part of what I'm interested in, in, in your work, like you're now shaping policy on this national level and it's policy that's going to affect millions and millions of lives. But it's also, there are individuals in those millions and millions, like these are actual people we're talking about. And th- and there's this gap to me between the kind of like 30,000 foot view of policy and then like what it actually means on the ground. And at that point in your life, I guess I'm interested in like whether there was stuff that was affecting you personally that also seemed like something you could affect change with. Definitely. And it certainly leads right to the things that we're fighting for in this campaign I mean, being a single mom going to college and also going to law school, the questions around quality, affordable childcare. I couldn't even like eat three meals a day when I was in college. (laughs) You just get up and do what you need to do every day. You know, there's a little person who's depending on you, so you need to be there for them and, you know, uh, give them all the love and you know, take care of all of their needs. And I also was determined to finish college and 
to go on to graduate school. And so you just, you do what you need to do every day. You just get up and, and, and you do it. And if I did not have access to childcare, it just would have been impossible uh, mm-hmm. for me to do that. And one of the things that I realized, I actually learned this after joining the campaign, and it was when Hillary was um, putting together her college plan, was that back in Arkansas, when she was first lady there, she developed a scholarship program for single parents who were going to college. Really? Yeah. So when she was developing her college plan during her presidential campaign, all these years later, she wanted to have as a component of her college plan, you know, scholarship for student parents. Because when you actually look at the facts, there are so many parents who are in school. And as part of her um, child care plan, she wanted to make sure there's more child care available on campus. And for me, one of the things that I just love about her is that she sees people in all of the complexity of their lives and that for whatever challenges people might face in being able to realize their full potential, that there's a solution, that there's a way we can make it easier. There's a way that we can remove the barriers that get in the way of people getting ahead. And so I was really actually kind of almost touched by that, having, you know, been someone years ago who was a really young single mom just wanting to finish school and but also, you know, raise my child and know that she would be somewhere with, you know, that was safe and with a loving, caring adult while I was in class. And the Did idea... Did you mention that to her? No, actually, I haven't. I've never mentioned to her that um, that, it, that that actually was really meaningful to me, that that she would notice that there are, you know, people out there just like I was <laughs> that we could do something for. Maybe you should tell her. Yeah. Actually, maybe I will tell her the next time I see her. <laughs> I, think, I think she might appreciate it. I want to know a little bit more about what working with her is like. You'd met her a couple of times before you went to work for her, didn't know her particularly well, and came and started working here and working very closely with her. And, and uh, uh, I wonder what surprised you about her. When I first had the chance to sit down with her right before I joined the campaign and have more of a conversation with her, it felt so comfortable. She was so warm, and I could see in an instant what it was about her that made the people who I knew, who knew her, so fond of her and, you know, so committed to her. And, you know, from that moment on, I've really come to appreciate how she is in so many ways the most unknown, well-known person in the world. She's really this um, incredibly warm and funny and inspiring person mm-hmm. on, on every level. And, you know, as a professional woman, I had, you know, great admiration for her in terms of what she's accomplished and in, in terms of what she has faced and how she just keeps going. Um, even in the face of adversity. 
But getting to know her, she is that much more inspiring. Do you have people come up to you and ask you what she's really like? What's your answer to that question when people ask you what she's really like? She's super sharp and probably one of the smartest people I've ever met. She is funny. She has a great sense of humor and a really great laugh. You know, she's got a real hearty laugh. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so she's, she's actually fun to be around. She's very engaged, not just around the issues, which we talk a lot about in terms of her being a policy wonk, but with people's lives. And you really can see and feel a real connection. What is she like when you guys are in a room talking to not hundreds of thousands of people, but a couple of people about the policy work you're trying to do? She's very much a listener in any setting, um, but in particular in a small setting. You know, I mean, I think one example is when she was um, in one of the meetings that uh, we did on the trail, there was a little girl, 11-year-old girl named Carla, who spoke up in the meeting and talked about the fact that her parents were undocumented immigrants and how she is just afraid that one day she's going to come home and they're going to be gone. And she started to get choked up and, you know, to cry as she was talking. And Hillary's first reaction was to just motion for her to come to me. And she held her close by her side and she looked at her and said, you're brave for telling me that you're afraid, but I don't want you to worry about this. I'm going to do all the worrying. Let me do the worrying. And that is who she is. You know, she has compassion. She has understanding. She is warm. And she's also like a problem solver and a doer. And so just in that moment, you could see all of that. And it was incredibly moving. And it's the same um, when we went to Flint and... She met with some moms and their children beforehand and her listening to the stories from the moms about learning that their children were being poisoned by the water. And when we flew back from Flint after that trip, we're, we're sitting there on the plane, we're talking about, you know, the trip, and all of a sudden, you know, she just was really, we have got to do something about this. This cannot be happening. And she was so fired up about it. And again, you know, in that moment, there's no one around. We're just, you know, us... Um, sitting on the plane, you see 
there in her eyes, in her voice, that you can see her heart and her passion and her determination all right there. So there's just so many moments like that that, you know, it's been really incredible to be able to be just in the room, you know, and <laughs> let alone to be able to then take all of that and sit with her to figure out, okay, concretely, what are we going to do? One thing that I didn't quite realize before we started talking was just how much of your job and really how much her job is like actually going out and talking to people. And I, I'm interested in how she listens in those meetings. Uh, I was in North Carolina with her in Charlotte mm -hmm. and she met with a group of young black men and she's still talking about the meeting and what she heard in the meeting from them about what they're seeing and what they know and what they think she ought to be doing. What do they think she ought to be doing? You know, they really thought that we could address some of these issues if we just had more communication and we had more opportunities for community members and police to be engaged with each other that are in non-confrontational situations. And when they have like a neighborhood officer, that neighborhood officer, you know, engages with and responds to the community in a different way than the officers who might kind of roll in right. and roll through in their patrol cars. And they were really thoughtful about the challenges that police officers face as well as how they experience police, mm -hmm. you know, in their communities. And it was an interesting and thoughtful conversation where you could see how we really could come together and start to address these issues. I wonder how in, in working on policy in a campaign that's so driven by sound bites and tweets and a minute by minute news cycle and how do you guys break through that noise how do you find a way to talk about policy when people seem so eager to only hear the kind of lowest brow version of this of this campaign i mean for hillary that's non-negotiable she is going to be talking about the issues, whether people are listening consistently or covering it consistently or not. She has often said that if you're running for president of the United States, you want to be the leader of the free world, you should have to tell people what you stand for and what you're going to do in that office. And you keep your eye on why we're all doing this and why she's doing this, which is there are people in America, lots of them, who are really struggling and who are hurting. And if we're able to get her elected president, she really will make a difference in their lives. And so you just keep going and you just keep trying. And I think most importantly in terms of the policy work that we all do, she's not going to want to waste any time. And if she's elected president on day one, she's going to want to be on the move and making things happen. And so 
it's not like this is all for naught, <laughs> even if it doesn't always get the coverage or as, as much coverage or, you know, people aren't always paying attention to it. It still matters because there's actually a job to do and she's going to do it well and she's going to want to do it based on the best of what we know and she is going to want to actually make a difference. And so all the effort that has been put in to talk to people on the ground, to talk to experts, to talk to advocates, to talk to legislators and come up with these ideas, it will actually have some value if she's elected president because she's going to want to get going on on day one. Maya, you have a job to do too. (laughs) So you should go do it. Thank you very much for the time. This was great. I'm Max Linsky. Thanks for listening to With Her, the official podcast of Hillary Clinton. She's running for president. You can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes or at hillaryclinton.com slash podcast. We'll be back soon with another conversation from the campaign trail. 